Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 28. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through the faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have Jesus, excuse me, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because the forbearance he had left, this, he had left the sins committed beforehand un, unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where, then, is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires the works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm Tim Householder. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. Special welcome to uh, people visiting us today. We are so glad you're here. Uh, everyone just turn to someone sitting by you and say, glad you're here. Go ahead and say that to somebody. I want to echo what Pastor Mark said about the cloud farm. Uh, one of my favorite uh, things about my office space is looking out the window and seeing the silos in the barn. It reminded, reminds me daily of uh, my first call in the middle of Wisconsin in a town of 500 people. Our, our parsonage backed up to a big alfalfa field, so it, it kind of reminded me of, uh, of our first call together. Uh, so I am sad, but I am also sort of excited. There's a pastor in me. 53 homes are coming in. And I've already begun praying, and I invite you to pray with me that at least one, and I'm praying for at least 10, but you can set your limit. I'm praying for at least one household to come and see and be a part of our church family here. I see it as a great opportunity uh, to reach out and share God's love with people who may or may not know the Lord or, or may it, but are looking for a great church home, and, and this is a great church home. And so I always want to keep you mindful of that simple invitation, come and see, when you're interacting with people you know and care about deeply, just come and see, come and see. And that's why it's so great to be here with you in worship today. We are uh, coming to the near end of this five-part series. Uh, most quoted Bible verses not in the Bible, and let's review. If I'm guessing, like us, you haven't been here every weekend uh, with summer travel and things. The first uh, one we looked at is God helps those who help themselves. Who's heard that? Not in the Bible. In fact, in matters of faith, it's exactly a 180. God helps those who can't help themselves, can't save yourself, can't forgive your own sins, can't uh, bring yourself into heaven without God. In fact, in matters of faith, if you can help yourself, why do you need God? So not in the Bible. Pastor Tammy then shared, money is the root of all evil. Who's heard that phrase before? Go ahead, raise your hands. I've heard it. Not in the Bible. Missing three key words. The love of. 
The love of money is the root of all evil, Pastor Tammy reminded us. When it becomes a God, when it becomes that which we love, when it becomes something of an idol in our lives, it is the root of all evil, the love of it. But money by itself is, can be a wonderful thing. It can be a, a wonderful resource. It can be something to be generous with, to, to do God's will in the world, to, to be good stewards of what God has first given us. So money isn't the root of all evil, but the love of money is, and that's an important thing to keep in check as God's people. Last weekend, Pastor Mark uh, preached and taught us on this phrase, this too shall pass. Raise your hand if you've heard or said that. This too shall pass. And not in the Bible. Although, the thought is there. He reminded us, King Solomon, he reminded us of threads throughout Scripture where the seasons of life come and go, the, the trials of life, the, the, the difficult times we're in. He even shared about his own uh, health crisis uh, uh, years back, and, and, and people reminded him, this will pass. And it's true, these, these things will run their course. But my favorite thing, that one of my favorite takeaways from his message last weekend is, but what about when I'm in the middle of it? It's great to say this too shall pass, but that's not helping me right now. And he reminded us that in the right now, we can turn our hope to a God who loves us and will be ever-present in those trials and will deliver us in this lifetime and certainly the next. This week, we're going to focus in on this phrase. This one not as common, maybe, as all the others, but you may have heard this phrase. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Who's heard that? All right, not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. So where did it come from? Well, there was a pastor in the 18th century from England, the Church of England, named John Wesley. And if any of you came from the Methodist background, uh, or are, are Methodist, but just worshiping with us today, this is your God. This is a picture I took with my phone in Savannah, Georgia. Anyone been to Savannah, Georgia? Raise your hand nice and high. You may have seen this. Um, in Chippewa Park, and here's this great tribute and statue to John Wesley. He was a pastor, as I said, in the Church of England. Came to Savannah for two years to launch a church. He was commissioned to come and, and bring Christianity uh, to the new land. And in his two years here, uh, shared the gospel and went back to England. And there, he preached a sermon that was recorded, not with audio, of course, but it was recorded down and he said this in the sermon. Can you just hear this in the late 1700s? Let it be observed that slovenliness is no part of religion, that neither this nor any text of Scripture condemns neatness of apparel. Certainly, this is a duty, not a sin. Cleanliness is indeed next to godliness. And there's the phrase at the end. I have a feeling Pastor Wesley had some messy people in his church. That's what I'm thinking. You know, maybe uh, he just was encouraging a certain uh, pocket of folks that came to church. You know, hey, you guys might want to take a bath. I don't know what the, the motive was, but this is not from the Bible. But it's certainly in Hebrew thought. We can even trace similar thought back to Babylonian times. This 
washing, the staying clean, this is a godly thing. Is it? God's people at the time of Jesus had incredibly detailed, detailed rules about what made them clean and unclean, what they needed to do with respect to washing, eating, who they could hang out with. Let's, let's break down a couple of those. The first was in ritual washing, okay? So they had um, this understanding that they needed to wash their hands a lot. And that's not a bad thing, but this was, this was a thing in, their, in God's people at the time of Jesus. They, this was their ritual. When you got up this morning, did you go to clean water and fill up a cup with two handles on it? It looks like a sippy cup, doesn't it? And take your left hand, and with a cup, cover your whole right hand with water, and then take the cup with your right hand and cover your whole left hand with water, and then take your left hand again, and do this three times. That's what was expected of God's people at the time of Jesus when they got up to, to enter the day clean, holy, righteous, before your Creator. This hand-washing thing is a good thing. They certainly didn't have the medical understanding we, we have now about germs, so God, I think, was, was trying to do a good thing with this sort of instruction to his people at the time. But does, have, you, have you seen the signs in the, in the public restrooms of restaurants and coffee shops where it says, employees must wash their hands? You've seen that, right? Does that concern any of you that these people need a reminder? Before they make our sandwiches and beverages, you really? <laughs> you need a reminder? There's a, I saw a really good sign that said, employees must wash their hands. And in smaller print underneath, it said this. It said, it said but if no employees are present, please wash your own. I thought that was kind of funny. So back to this. There's these, this ritual washing before, uh, right after you wake up, before meals. Um, how many of you before you entered the worship space, did this ritual. In the entryway, did you grab the, the two-handed cup and wash your hands three times before entering the sanctuary? Because that was expected in Jesus' day. Before you could go in the temple, you needed to purify yourself. You needed to be clean before God. You needed to be made righteous before your Creator. Nobody? Okay. The other way that they were into ritual washing was full immersion. You want to learn a Hebrew word for this? This bath is called a tevelach. You want to say tevelach? Hello? Say tevelach. Tevelach. That is where uh, God's people in Jesus' day would, um, at times of like conversion into the faith, they weren't born uh, Jewish, so they would uh, convert to the faith, so they full submersion. There are also very specific laws about times when men and women would have to do this. A lot of them related to biology and body fluids, but we're not going to get into a biology lesson, but you can imagine. Spiritual washing, spiritual cleansing. How do I get right before God? The other one was what's on the menu. What can I eat? What can I not eat? What are the food restrictions? Right? If you want to go deeper into this later today, go to the Old Testament when you get home and look at Leviticus chapter 11. God gives this law to his people at the time of all the, 
clean and unclean animals. If you eat this, you're unclean, and you have to go through some spiritual ritual and cleansing and washing. If you eat this, you're fine, but if you eat that, you're not. Which a lot of you uh, may know that um, our Jewish brothers and sisters who are conservative or Orthodox Jews still will not eat pork for that very reason. No bacon. And that's just kind of a, a thing, and it's an important thing in that tradition, but, but there were certain laws of, of which animals were clean and unclean. Not just washing and eating and what's on the menu, but even who you could hang out with, who you could interact with. If you brushed up against a Samaritan in Jesus' day, the understanding was you're unclean. They had a saying that if a Samaritan gave you a piece of bread, it was worse, far worse than eating pork. I mean, imagine, White Sox fans, if you came to worship today and you shook the hands of a Cubs fan and you thought, I'm now unclean, I'm unclean. See, that's, that's what it would be like. And it's, ridic- it, it's silly, but that was the tradition. And there was this purity. There was this, I'm clean or I'm not before my creator. I'm righteous or I'm not. I've gone through the rituals or I haven't. I'm pure or I'm not. And here's where it gets real. If you weren't, you were basically kicked out of the, of the faith community. Unclean. Now let's fast forward the tape to right now with each of us here. There are big life questions. And we ask them at times. When we, when we drown out the busyness of our lives and we're when we're just pondering some deeper things. And one of them is this. How do I get into a right relationship with God? How can I be right with you, God? You created me. You want me to be good. You want me to do good stuff. You want me to be a person of faith. How do I get right with you? Am I right with you? Am I good enough? Have I done enough good stuff? If there's a scale of what I do good and what I do bad, I, am I doing enough good? Am I giving enough of myself and my time? Am I, am I tipping the scale, God, because I want to be right with you? Am I? And how do I know what's enough? God, you created me. The Bible tells me you love me, but sometimes, some days, I can't even love myself. I do things, I think things, I say things where I just don't like myself. How do I get right with you? Is it washing? Is it eating? Is it who I interact with? These big faith questions are so important, and I want to get into Scripture with you in just a second, but I want to put out a unapologetic invitation for you to come to the Alpha course this fall. Every year we do Alpha and we do it after New Year's. We're launching right in. We're launching right in after a couple weeks after Labor Day. On Sunday evenings, come for the great food. You'll meet new friends. We get after the big life questions and it's a safe place to ask those questions. It's a safe place. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just come and be and enter at your own comfort level. And we ask these big faith questions, including how can I be in a right relationship with God? So let's get after that question as we ponder this thought about cleanliness and and the traditions of being clean or unclean and what's going on. Jesus steps into this context. God in flesh, 
walking on the earth, stepping right into this community. And I want to lift up two places in the Gospels with you where he speaks into this context that we're talking about. Look with me at Luke 11, verse 37. Luke is uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament, and verse 37. As you're turning there, just to set up, Jesus and the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day, they always had these conversations, these interactions, which were respectful but very direct. And Jesus, as God in flesh, speaks the truth in love. Sometimes we read some of the things Jesus says and we go, ooh, he had an edge to him. Ooh, he was kind of rough with him there. He wasn't very polite. But he's, he's speaking the truth in love, and this is one of those times. When Jesus, in verse 37 of Luke 11, had finished speaking, a Pharisee, the religious leader of the day, invited him to eat with him, so Jesus went in and reclined at the table. So you think, what does that mean? Well, the tables were often very low to the ground, lots of pillows around, especially in the, the homes with, with, with more wealth. And Jesus, being invited, had this place of honor, so he sat down on the ground and probably reclined back, probably leaned all back, on, and you can just picture him there. But the Pharisee, in verse 80, was surprised when he noticed, and I'm going to finish this sentence, and then everyone gasp out loud, really, really audibly, okay? But, he, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. That's exactly what the room would have sounded like. Wait a minute, this is someone we're interested in as, as being holy. There's word, he's the son of God. There's this teaching. There's what's going on. He, of course he would wash his hands before the meal. He knows the Jewish law. Of course, of course he would. Why wouldn't he? Shock. 39, then the Lord said to him, Jesus says to the Pharisee, now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And the Pharisee responds, who invited this guy? <laughs> what does Jesus say? You can wash all you want. Didn't God create us on the inside as well as the outside? I didn't wash my hands. That's not at issue here. What's at issue is what's on the inside of you Pharisees, and he calls them out. He says, you do all the rituals, you jump through all the hoops, but guess what? There's some, there's some messiness in here. And I think we can all relate to that. I think the Lord might be wanting to tell me that today and maybe some of you. That you, can, you can play the game, but there's some messiness inside and we've got to deal with that before God. How do we get there? In Matthew 15, this was about the, the washing rite, purification rites. In Matthew 15, verse 10, Jesus says this, It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person because from inside of us comes that which is in our hearts. And he goes on to list some things. Slander, evil, sexual immorality, those kinds of things. He says, this is what's in our hearts. This is the stuff that defiles us. It's not what we eat. And again, a gasp. Wait a minute. Jesus, 
you're not washing your hands. You're saying it's not about what we eat or not eat. What, what's going on? So let's go to Romans and, 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 and uh, see what's going on. Our text for today, Romans 3, beginning in verse 20, begins with therefore. And whenever the Bible has a therefore, I always like to know what it's there for. Thank you. Thank you very much. But it's important. If you start a, a scripture reading with therefore, don't you want to go back and go, well, therefore what? what? What's before it? So what's before it is Paul saying, no one is righteous. Turn to someone right now and go, you're not righteous. Go ahead and say that. Do it. There is no one righteous, not even one, in verse 10. So therefore, in 20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Let me say that again and let it sink in. Therefore, no one. Did you catch that part? No one. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, by doing the stuff. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. I was growing up with my two older brothers, and my parents had a nice balance of strict and freedom, I think. They did a really good job of that. But one of the things on Saturday morning, before we could go out and run around till dinner time, we had to clean our rooms. For my brother Mike, that was no issue at all. He's a neat freak. It was clean all the time. You know who you are, and you people make me sick. For me, it was a challenge. And we had to pass inspection. My mom would come around, are you ready for inspection? Yeah, ready for inspection. We had to do inspection, and if we passed inspection, we were free. So, yeah, I'm ready. She comes in, and I'm just hoping she doesn't look under the bed. But she does, she does, and she always did, and she'd go, nope, this doesn't pass inspection. And then she'd go to the closet, and she'd look in the closet and say, nope, Tim, this does not pass instruction. And right about that time, my brother Mike was walking by my door going, what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you can clean, you can make it look good all you want, but there's still a mess there. And we have, God has provided a way to get rid of that mess through faith, not by your works, not by doing enough good stuff, but by the grace of God. Look at verse 22. The righteousness is given through faith. Through what? Faith. Through what? Faith. Pastor Tammy on the Hallelujah Full Circle video when she showed Luther's rose in the center of our basketball court, one of the core values of the Reformation movement and faith is faith alone, apart from works of the law. We're saved by grace through faith, through faith, and that's what Paul's saying. The righteousness of, of God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
And in verse 23, he tags on, for all have sinned. Turn to someone and go, good morning, sinner. Go ahead and say that. Nice and loud. Do it. It's fun. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Down in the second part of 25, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, not ours. And in case you missed it, Paul said, I'm going to say it again in verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness. So as to be just and the one who justifies, who makes us right before God our creator, who have faith in Jesus. Want to get rid of the mess? Come to the cross. You want to experience what grace is? Come to the cross. You want to stop knocking yourself out, trying to be good enough? Come to the cross. Grace is abundant and unconditional for the believer in Jesus. As Luther put it, we are washed clean daily then by God's grace. Daily washing. Not because of ritual, but because of the blood of Jesus. A daily cleansing. Every day we wake to newness of life. Every day we live in God's grace. Every day we acknowledge our sinfulness before our creator. And we say, God, thank you for your grace. I want to close this morning with a one-minute video. My favorite uh, cartoon and comic strip of all time, The Peanuts. How many of you uh, are into, grew up or are into Charlie Brown right now? I mean, come on, he's still going. Awesome, Troy. I don't know if Charles M. Schultz tried to do this intentionally, but I know he was a Christian man, and I know a lot of the Christian values came through in his comic strips. Who is the messiest cartoon character in the Peanuts? Charlie Brown's waiting for him. They're going to Lucy's birthday party. Take a look. Good grief. He didn't even change clothes. <laughs> I can't believe it. Pigpen, you're not going to Lucy's birthday looking like that. So what's wrong? So what's wrong? You're a mess. That's what's wrong. They won't even let you in the house, Pigpen. They'll bar you at the door. Oh, I don't think so. Of course they will. You won't be welcome at all. Your appearance will be insulting. It will be... Well, Pigpen, come in. Come on in. How nice to see you. How nice of you to come. Oh, thank you. You shouldn't have. Present was clean. Catch that punchline? Present was clean. In matters of faith, before our Creator, we are pig pen. We're sinful and unclean. And others may say, because of that, God's not going to welcome you or love you. But we are welcomed in to a loving God through faith. And I love the line, present 
present is clean. We're not. But the gift of God's grace is clean. Our sinfulness makes us unclean, but the grace of God washes it all away. And we are welcome. As a faith community, may we never, ever tell someone they're not clean enough for God. May we never not be a place of welcome for God's people. Because the gift is clean. We're not. But God's gift is. And so it's not cleanliness is next to godliness, but what? Take a look. The gift of faith is next to godliness. Read that with me. Here we go. The gift of faith is next to godliness. Being right with God is about faith. Receiving that gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ apart from works of the law, and that is next to godliness. Can we pray about that? Gracious God, thank you for the gift of faith. You so freely give to all. Stir us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to be filled with this gift. And Lord, as we are saved by grace through faith apart from works of the law, may we be ever mindful that you still call us to good works to be your hands and feet in the world, to bring the love you have for your creation to all people. We do these good works, Lord, not for our glory, but for yours. Not for our salvation because you've already saved us, but because we strive for faithfulness. Use us as a faith community. Use us in our individual lives Send us out to share your love. Not to earn your favor. Because you've already saved us through the cross. We give you thanks and praise. I pray for that one here today, Lord, who needs to simply surrender to the gift of faith. To simply open up their heart. And come to know your unconditional grace and love. Wash them clean. Wipe that guilt away. Bathe them in grace. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. And we all said together, Amen.